From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Thanks, bro. The word of the Lord. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Lovely. Lovely. Lovely, lovely. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Josh and Scott are going to hand out some uh, notes for you guys today. Uh, I think I know everyone. If I don't know you yet, my name's Tom, and I'm really happy that you're here this morning. It is my uh, second daughter's 11th birthday today, which is insane. Um, we also got a puppy this week, which is also insane. Oh, no! Yes. Virginia, yes. Our lovely puppy. It's a double doodle. Yeah, very good dog so far. She slept through the night. Beautiful. Um, how was the first week of being back to school, guys? Yeah, good for Jonathan. Anyone else? Zoe was good? Got to see your friends? Yeah, fun. Uh, I hope it was a good week for all you guys. Fall is creeping up quickly, though, eh? It's wild. Um, today, guys, we are starting a series we're really excited about called The Shift. And um, this is something that we have been praying about, talking about, reading about, observing, wondering, questioning, thinking, all kinds of stuff for, for months and months. It's gotten some people over here, years and years. Um, and what we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks, we trust is going to serve as the framework or the skeleton, the foundation, whatever terminology you want to use for everything that we're going to be doing together as a community in the weeks, months, years, and decades to come, okay? So this is big, big stuff. Um, and a lot of it, guys, is birthed out of some hard things. Some, some, we've gone through some, some tough times as a community. It's been hard seeing people leave. COVID has disrupted us on so many levels. We have unanswered questions. We have hurts. However... In the midst of that, by God's grace, and because he disciplines those he loves, we were, we were, we sense we were able to realize maybe we were doing things the wrong way. Maybe we were flying upside down, actually. And so what we're going to be doing is over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about a different paradigm shift that we're going to be going through as a community. And so this one today, we're going to be talking about going from self, a self-oriented way of living to a God-oriented way of living. And this may seem like an, an obvious, like, no-brainer type of thing, but I want to encourage you, before we even start, don't tune out, yeah. because this is applicable to every one of us for the rest of our lives, yeah. okay? Until Jesus returns. So today we're going to be looking at the first shift, a life oriented around self to a life oriented around God. But before we hop in, I'd like us to pray, Okay. And actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just say a quick opening prayer. And I would love if you guys would pray as well. 
Let's spend a couple minutes praying together. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we worship you. We are humbled by what we were just singing about, by your unbelievable love, Father, for us. Jesus, by your sacrifice and Holy Spirit, you came and you filled us up so that we can understand that in new and deeper ways. I ask that you would soften our hearts and open our ears, that you would open our eyes to see Jesus in a new way today than we ever have before. So come, Holy Spirit. to you this morning and I thank you just that you are here with us again um, I just ask anything that is from me Lord anything that's from my flesh that it would fall away this morning and everything that's from you would just ring so true in our hearts and that it would actually affect change in our perspective and not only our perspective but how we actually live our lives Lord 
Make us more like you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have you guys ever um, looked at a picture of yourself from a few years ago and been like, did I really look like that? What was I wearing? Anyone else? Yeah. We, we found a box of pictures and the girls, uh, like when Jess was a teenager and our two girls just were merciless with Jess, just absolutely <laughs> destroying her. But uh, sometimes you just don't know until you don't know what you don't know. And uh, I, I, I was thinking about just this whole idea of, okay, living a life oriented around myself rather than God. And for me, guys, last year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this as brief as possible, so it's not just about me. But last year was undoubtedly like the hardest year of my life. The bottom literally fell out for me. Um, and it boiled down to just what, what, I, what I was struggling with is what I thought I believed and what I, what I professed to believe had little effect on how I lived my life. So I was saying one thing, and I, was, and I was, to the best of my ability, I was trying to follow Jesus, but it was like in a very narrow, singular way. It wasn't an all-encompassing, all-of-life type of way. I was constantly putting my own preferences above what I read in Scripture, and I was confused when I was like, like what is this? how does this line up with God's abundant life? This doesn't make any sense. I, I think I believed the right things in my head, but the gospel, the good news, wasn't affecting how I lived out my life to the, to the degree it was meant to. So I had this moment where I was, you know, off on sabbatical, struggling, questioning so many things where I realized, okay, I I think I'm flying upside down here. I think I've got this all backwards. I've got it all upside down. And so what was happening for me is I was content to do the things around being a Christian. I was I was content to come to church. I was content to preach. I was content to lead worship. But I wasn't fully sold out on this whole idea of, of actually becoming like Jesus. I wanted to do the things around that, not necessarily have to give up my own autonomy, give up my own preferences. And that left me flying upside down, and it, which is really dangerous for myself, but also for you guys, for the people I love, the people in my life. So what I was doing is I was flying upside down. So I was living out a life of non-discipleship, if you will, or a discipleship to things other than Jesus. And so Dallas Willard has this great quote about a non-disciple. And this is what we're going to think about in a life that's oriented around self. We're going to use the terminology a non-disciple. So this is someone inside or outside the church who has something, quote unquote, more important to do or undertake than to become like Jesus. Okay? Someone inside or outside the church. I was inside the church who has something more important to do or undertake than to become like Jesus Christ. This is a temptation that all of us face. And the truth is, when God calls us through Jesus to follow him, he's actually calling us to become like Jesus. We read that in in chapters, or or, um, Nate read that this morning. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he goes right away and he says, hey, come follow me. So our response to to the gospel, or our first step after repentance is to follow Jesus and to become like him. Right before this scripture, we see Jesus being tempted in the, in the desert by the enemy, by Satan. And it's interesting, all the temptations are this invitation to orient himself around himself and not God. But Jesus over and over again denies that. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. Again, orienting it around God. He says that you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, orienting himself around God. 
And again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, putting God at the center of his life. So for us who are flying upside down, those of us living out non-discipleship to Jesus, we are continually, maybe unknowingly and sometimes knowingly, living a life of disobedience. And what I wanna, how I want to term that and, and qualify that or define that is a lived out allegiance to self. So to be disobedient is to, to orient your life around yourself, your preferences, your desires, your hopes, what you want to have happen and not around God. Well, the truth is, guys, each of us have a personal kingdom and that's the range of our effective will or what we want to have happen happens. And so the whole idea of living a life oriented around yourself, a life of non-discipleship or disobedience for me, and I think for most of us, leaves us feeling isolated, which means we're hiding or we're cut off from God and from others. We often feel alone. Uh, It leads to us feeling disintegrated. So life is so compartmentalized that our faith doesn't really have any impact on how you do life beyond, say, church and community group. Or a sense of stagnation. You feel stuck and you're just going through the motions. You have no real sense of purpose. Anyone else? You, you, you feel isolated, you feel disintegrated, and you feel stuck or stagnant. But here is the good news, guys. What we read this morning. Jesus comes and he says, he begins to teach and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's just, he's proclaiming the gospel. And the gospel is this. This is the terminology we use. The gospel is the good news that God, our Father, the Creator, out of his undying love for us, has come to rescue us from sin, Satan, hell, and death, and to renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, to establish his kingdom in and through us, his people, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's the good news. So for me, again, making it personal, I think God came and found me. God came and found me in my selfishness and in my living a life that was way more oriented around myself than around God. And he offered me, he offers us the better way in Jesus. For me, this verse last summer and on into this year has been the pivotal verse. This is from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. So if that's you this morning, if you feel isolated, if you feel disintegrated, if you feel stuck, if you feel exhausted, the good news is that Jesus comes to us and says, hey, come, come be with me. The, the message translation says, are you tired? Are you burned out? Come to me. You see, guys, the gospel, what we were just talking about, is not less than salvation, but it is so much more than just salvation. And Jess talked about this last week. The gospel we preach, the gospel we proclaim, often gives us the discipleship we live out, the discipleship that we see happening in our lives. So here at Anchor Point, we believe the gospel is much more than just salvation. But it's an invitation to learn from Jesus how to be human being right here and right now. And that requires us, though, to take him as our new king. Because the gospel gives us a new king. Our old way of living, our sinfulness, our disobedience, and the center of all that 
We are the king or queen. And the gospel actually provides us a new and better king who is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. And he is the one who is calling us to follow him. And we often have it the other way around. And what he's saying is, hey, come learn from me how to fly right side up. You're flying upside down. You, you really want to wear that shirt. I'm not sure that looks so good on you. Let me teach you how to fly right side up. And what we see, two things we see right here in this scripture that I want to focus in on. You guys good? I feel like I'm going real fast. So what we see, Jesus is proclaiming the gospel. He's, he's, he's saying, hey, listen, think differently. You're flying right side up. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. I am the king. Come learn from me. And what he does is he calls these guys right in the middle of their normal life, right? They're not at a church service. There's no smoke machines happening. There's no like pad on the keyboard playing. They're doing their work. And Jesus comes to them and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And their response is interesting. Both times they immediately stop what they're doing. And what I read in that and what, what most commentaries I was reading this week say, that, that speaks of the authority of Jesus. That he actually is king. And so a few scriptures to back this up. Colossians 2.10. And Jesus is the head over all rule and authority. Matthew 28. He says this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Ephesians 1.21. Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named. Not only in this age but also in the one to come. 1 Peter 3.22. Jesus, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus should have authority in our lives to the point where we immediately respond to him. He calls us to follow him and we are to respond immediately. So immediately they do what? They left their nets and they followed him or immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. The other thing that sticks out here is their allegiance. They left their boat and their father or their livelihood or their normal life. Uh, Luke 5.11 says this, And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Jesus. So during this time, for first century Jews, a rabbi calling others to following him was common practice. And when, when this happened, when they would agree to follow their rabbi, this is the way that they would orient their life. They had three new goals. One was to be with their rabbi. Two was to become like their rabbi. And three was to do what their rabbi did. So this is what Jesus is calling these guys specifically, but us as well to do. So what does flying right side up look like? Jesus says three things in this, in this invitation. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So what does it look like to fly right side up? What does it look like if non-discipleship is someone who's, who's, who's not orienting their life about becoming like Jesus? A disciple is learning from Jesus how to be human in God's kingdom. A disciple's goals are to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. So this, guys, is what we are, are in our community, we're going to reorient everything around. We, do, we want to build disciples, not non-disciples, who are just kind of coming to church every once in a while and still basically living for themselves. Their life is oriented around what they want, when they want it, how they want it. We want to be people who are in every aspect, in every way, and at every 
turn our learning from Jesus how to be like him. Where our goals are reoriented, our everything is shifting to that being the priority. And this is what it all hinges on. Because we can, we can know this, we can think this is true, we could all say amen, absolutely. But it all hinges on this, our obedience. And our obedience as disciples is summed up like this. It's an ever-increasing capacity and desire to submit one's will to God's. Obedience is an ever-increasing capacity and a desire to submit one's will to God's. Remember, we're all, we all have our own range of effective will and where what we want done is done. We have to learn to submit that to God. This morning in, in the Anchor Point Bible reading plan, two verses from John 14, Jesus says this, If you love me, you will keep my commands. John 14, 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I can remember so many times while I was, you know, and I'm still not flying right set up perfectly, where I'm saying, Jesus, I love you. I'm singing about it, and I'm completely disregarding the whole idea that I need to be obedient to him in every aspect of my life. So obedience is what all of this hinges on, guys. A life oriented around God requires obedience and a submission of our will to God's. And what we see, what we, what we glean from this, this invitation of Jesus to these guys, his invitation to follow him, are three things. There's three values that we're going to kind of talk through in detail over the next few weeks uh, of what a God-oriented life or what it looks like to become a disciple or how to reorient or reorganize your life to become like Jesus. And there's three things. The first thing is this whole, this whole vision for intimacy. And this is when Jesus says, hey, come follow me. Yet this meant that they were living life with Jesus day in and day out. They weren't following him from a distance or online or on Instagram and liking his posts, reposting them when they they like the background. It was like every day, all the time, 24-7. Eating together, cleaning up together, everything. So there's this this deep intimacy with Jesus. And how we're going to define that is intimacy is knowing and being known by the Father and his family. The second value we see when Jesus says, and I will make you, is this whole invitation to being formed by God. And, or, so the, the second value is formation, learning from Jesus how to be human in God's kingdom. The reality is all of us are being formed, whether we know it or not, but this is a, a concerted effort to be formed by God. And Jesus promises this, I will make you. He's going to do the forming through the spirit as we submit to him. And thirdly, he says this, I will make you fishers of men. He gives them a mission, a purpose, which is to partner with the spirit and the church in the renewal of all things. So these are the, the values, guys, that we're going to try to knead into everything that we're doing. It's about intimacy. It's about formation. And it's about mission. Yeah. So far, so good. So all of us would probably say, yes, I would like to fly right side up. I would not like to fly upside down. But one of the things uh, we as, the, as, as leaders, guys, are going to be teaching this through. One of the things we want to be really clear about is that there is a cost involved. Because it can be like, yeah, sweet, that's amazing, I'll sign up. And the cost is pretty significant. Uh, it's everything. The cost is everything. The disciples say this, look, we have left everything and followed you. 
And so what we're doing, guys, we, we, if we really are, are wanting to be true to the gospel, if we're wanting to be true to what the scriptures say, if we're wanting to be true to what Jesus is saying in and through this call to repentance, it really is a laying down of our lives. It's a response. As he's laid down our lives for us, his, his life for us, we lay down our lives for him and for one another. We give up our autonomy. We give up our, our self-centeredness. And we say, okay, Lord, you are so much more worth it. You are our, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I need, you, are, you are the one. You are the only one who's going to teach us how to fly right side up. Because when I try to do it, when others try to do it, we end up upside down, hurting ourselves and hurting others. The cost is everything. And we'll, that'll play out in, life, in our lives in different ways. But he is so, so worth it. The cost is everything, but the reward is an abundant life with God and others, being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, and fulfilling your true and intended purpose. That's what this is. So if you're feeling isolated, if you feel alone and tired, okay, there's, there's a reward here as you submit your will to God so that you're going to be known by God and by other people. If you're feeling disintegrated, like you wear a million different hats and you're this person for these people and you're this person for that person and you're like this at work and like this at soccer practice or whatever, God is saying, hey, listen, let me form you. Let me transform you into the image and likeness of Jesus where you have one hat. Where you're yourself and you're at peace with who I am and what I've made you to be. And then finally... You're able to kind of move from this place of stagnation of what the heck am I even here for, God, to fulfilling your true and intended purpose, which is partnering with him in the renewal of all things. I know this is a lot, guys, but I do not apologize. So it's easy for us to think, okay, Lord, how do we make this into a formula? How do I do this? So there's like a plan and all this kind of stuff. And guys, there isn't. There is... What we're doing here is we're going to try to, over years and years and years, we have to take the long game approach to this, that we're going to instill these values in each of us as individuals and by rights into us as a community. And as we do that, we will become more like Jesus. As we do that, we will see a community of disciples and not non-disciples. But what we do see here is where Jesus calls these guys out. He's calling us out of something and into something better. And so that he doesn't just call them out and say, shame on you, shame on you. He's saying, hey, listen, that's, you're, you're flying upside down. Let me help you fly right side up. And so what we're trying to do here is call us out of the old way of, of being isolated, of feeling stuck, and of feeling disintegrated into a new way of discipleship with Jesus where we can have intimacy, we can be formed, and we can be on mission together. But for each of us, this is, this is not a one-time deal, I don't think. There's this ongoing repentance that has to happen. Where day by day we see, like day by day we see, man, I am still so self-centered, God. Forgive me, help me, show me, help me trust you. Help me, like, teach me who I can, how do I confess my sin? How do I, uh, like, trust you where I've, I've not trusted you before? And this is the whole process of discipleship that we're going to be walking out together as a community. You are not alone in this. Our hope and desire is that all of us say yes and amen to this and we become who God's made us to be. We hold each other accountable. We encourage one another. We build one another up. We are there on the hard days. We're there on the boring days. We're there on the good days. 
And we're saying, hey, what's God doing here? What's God doing? How can we see this? How can we pray? How can we work forward together in what he's doing? But the key is, goes back to what I said earlier, guys. It's all about obedience. Are we going to be obedient to God? Or are we going to be partially obedient to God? Are we going to stay a little bit of both? Can I be oriented around myself and God? I don't think so. It's one or the other. And this goes right back to the beginning. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The invitation for us this morning, guys, is to reorient our life around God and not ourselves.